doing the same. My pleasure. So, going back in time, uh, you're currently a school teacher. Uh, but, but first, uh, what do you teach? Teach economics and government for 12th grade in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York. Yes. Did you always want to be a teacher? Wanted to be a stand-up comedian, and uh, you know, took something to have as a fallback, just in case. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's pretty interesting. Usually, it's the other way around, but <laughs> that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know how people go through life teaching. You know, when they just make shit money. And you know, I knew a girl once who was a teacher year-round, but in the summertime, like starting the day after the last year. Money is not bad in New York City. Uh, it's better in Long Island, but it's not—it's not as bad um, it's, as people think. And what's your story? I know you were a stand-up comedian. I did it, yeah, I did it for 10 years also, and it was basically, well, if you bring five people, you can, and I, I just couldn't bring, like, how many people do you know that you could just bring them to, to hear you try to do, uh, to get a tight six minutes? I don't understand that fucking bringer show shit. It, it is just horrible. You know, I mean, I was always practically begging people to come see me when I was performing at this one club that I would do open mic night at for eight years that um, you know, they wanted people that brought people in to uh, perform and they would just like they, they would say oh I'm not going to go all that way to, to see you perform there I'll see you perform you know at that dive bar and I'm like dude I, get, I need to get past at this club I need to bring people in consistently you know that's the only way they're going to hire me they didn't understand that you know it's just uh, their comedy now is just it's a completely different thing and I heard it's even worse now a guest on uh, Gabe Abelson, and I told him one of my jokes from my stand-up act, and he goes, "Yo, you don't do that joke." And I'm like, "Well, that was my closer." And he's like, "Oh, you heard that?" And he's like, "Well, in what year?" And I'm like, "Well, 2010 was the last time I did it, but yeah, good." I don't just, yeah, I don't do stand-up, so. Yeah, well, if you decided to go back, I mean, you could. But uh, what year did you start doing stand-up? 2000. 2000. And just in New York? I, I got paid to do this one club in Delaware, but mostly just New York, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, were you uh, playing at, like, The Cellar or Catch or Dangerfields, the comic strip, those old places? The only one that you said was the comic strip because uh, Catch is not there. Dangerfields, I never, I never got to see it. Um, and but it was, the, it was like the new improv. Yeah. And it was like three blocks behind Letterman's studio and had pictures of the old improv, but the people there were not the you know the famous improv people, and then the guy never showed up, uh, Bud Friedman. Yeah. 
and then it, they changed the name to the World Stand Up Comedy, and then there was the Times Square Comedy uh, Theater. So there, there's so many comedy clubs in New York City. Now, who was there when you were there? Um, I'm trying to think because I know I did, I did my second show I ever did. I did with um, with Jim Gaffigan, yeah. Tony Rock, yeah. and um, uh, Jim Norton. And Jim Norton. Uh, who did you say? Steve Byrne. Don't know him. Kevin Bartini. I don't know if you know who he is. I've heard of him. Sheba Mason. Did you see Judy Oliver? No. Yeah, I don't know, don't know her. was a comedian first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he still is. Right. I, I, I think Joe, I think he's funny. I, I've never seen, never listened to his podcasts because they're four hours long. time I listened was when Dan Aykroyd was on. Oh, that was a good one. I like that one. Because, you know, it's Dan Aykroyd, so I had to listen to it. Yeah. I watched one of your stand-up videos on YouTube. It was at Governor's. Yeah, that was the last one I ever did. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that joke about, about weight loss, I'm now an A-cup. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. So what stand-up comedians did you grow up watching? See, I, I love that my parents let me watch stand-up that it was anybody? But it was it was old school originally. It was you know, uh, jo- George Burns, like, not really old school. Um, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, George Carlin. I mean, those guys were my were my favorites. Um, I liked uh, Richard Pryor's movies more than I liked his stand up. I know most people like his. Yeah, sta- same here. I I love the toy, and. Um, And Eddie Murphy, who says, you know, he's like Richard Pryor, to me it's funnier. Yeah. Um, delirious and um, raw, raw. Yeah, I prefer Delirious. My dad had it on tape. We used to watch 48 Hours when my mom wasn't home. And then 
Delirious was on after it, and I had to go in my room for the longest time. Like, my dad wouldn't let me watch it with him. And then I watched it by myself when I was 14. And all the jokes that I thought were my dad's own were on this special. Like, my dad was, was always quoting this around the house, and I didn't know what he was talking about, but it was funny. You know, right. and it's still one of my favorite stand-up specials of all time. But I would watch the Rodney specials with him, and I'd see Kinnison. That changed me forever when I was like two years old, and that special aired. Uh, seeing him and uh, Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, Yakov Smirnoff, and Rita Rudner in that episode. But uh, it was for me. It was always Kinnison, Bobcat Goldthwait, Andrew Dice Clay, Bill Hicks, Richard Jenny, the really edgy guys. I got into George Carlin later, and, and just stuff like that. Yeah, those I like the edgy guys as well. Uh, Gil, I love Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, Gilbert was so brilliant. I'm, I'm so sad that he's gone. Mm. It's, like, it's like a bad dream that he's gone. Yeah, and I had tickets to see Norm Macdonald in November of last year, and he he died in September. people that I, the person that I had on this week, uh, Andrew Nichols, he wrote those little interstitial sketches on Evening at the Improv in the original eras. They had Julie Brown and Andrew Dice Clay before they were famous. Yeah. Yeah, I used to watch those. I was born in 77, so I just remember Harry Anderson's another guy that I was a big fan of growing up. Oh, yeah. I tried to get his buddy Turk Pipkin on last year. You know, he was always the, the audience participant Okay. Yeah, I tried to get her to come on, but she's she's basically she does a lot of podcasts, and she's like, I can't do, I can't handle doing any more podcasts. So I was like, okay, no problem. But they say that, but then you know, but they usually mean just for a little while, and then they'll start doing it again. That's what I found. Right, but I think she writes and performs on podcasts.
going back and forth with Jeff at the end of last year about it, and then just finally I gave up. But she's probably the uh, the closest to a huge comedy bucket list guest I would get. Made a list of the people who uh, I would like. I'm going, I'm shooting high at the you know Ackroyd, Robert Smigel, Dana Carvey, and Julie Brown. Oh, yeah? He manages mostly horror movie people, and he is just he is just not a good guy. And I mean, I'm sure you could, you know, probably message her on Facebook or something and, and get a response back that way from her and stuff, but I, I, I wouldn't deal with him. He's, 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 a, he's a POS. <laughs> I've, I've emailed him, but he never got back, so... I've never had any dealings with him. He was that was because you're 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 the horror horror person or was at one point. So you know all those people. The only one whose name I knew was Julie Brown. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I started the podcast, it was it was horror and sci-fi only, and then I started to break away because people like him and so many people in the horror community are just not good people. I mean, I still love horror, still interview people for horror, but it's, it's usually from people who are not part of that convention crowd now. Um, but, yeah, I explore that. I explore comedy, everything now. Uh, oh, so what's your favorite era of Saturday Night Live? Uh, that is a tough quote. Um, I would say this is that the Dana Carvey, John Lovitz, Phil Hartman era, and then the original. Because I actually looked up the episodes and like the the 14th season, which is weird, but the 88 to 89 season had the best episodes throughout the whole season than even the any any year in the first five. Because you know the Milton Berle episode and and the Louise Lasser episode, they that kills a, a you know an average rate you know season if you're gonna you know rate them throughout the season, but the the 14th season. Every episode was great. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'll admit there was a lot of sketches in the first five years that were awful, but there was a lot of fucking masterpieces too. And I just, I love that first five years of Saturday Night Live because anything went. They were being, they were, they were staying true to their subversive, nonconformist roots of irreverent comedy, you know. And it just, there's something magical about it, you know. And it, it really changed comedy. And these guys and girls went on to, you know, big careers after that. They were the first ones. But I also like, you know, the Lovitz, Carvey, Neilan, Sandler era, and the Will, the Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan era. I, I, I didn't have a appreciation of them at the time but looking back I was like god they're probably the last great cast you know I haven't been too fond of the last few casts I think that the the casts now are very top heavy with really good performers like three or four really good performers and then the rest are guys who can do one or two things or girls who could specialize in one or two little things but you can't yeah. you can't hold a cast no, he, that's the only SNL book I haven't read. Oh, it's good. It is really good. And you just you feel bad for the guy because of all the circumstances he put himself in because his ego got in the way, and plus he didn't believe in himself at the same time. It's, it's a sad story, you know. Hopefully, you know, in this, 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 you know, this second act, 
that he's uh, been doing, you know, that he's been going around doing stand-up with a one-man show and stuff. Hopefully, you know, he'll, you know, hopefully he learned from all his mistakes. Mm. I just know all the stories uh, Jim Brewer would say about him. But yeah, I also like the the Ebersole years, and those are the people that are the nicest and easiest to contact and talk to. Really? Yeah, I've been trying to get in touch with Barry Gross and Robin Duke for a while, and I've thought about reaching out to Tim Kazarinski, but um, I haven't had the chance yet. Tim Kazarinski, this is, I know you just, what you, what you just said, real, um, will not does not do it podcasts anymore. He did Gary Kroger's podcast, and then oh. he he said, "This is the last one I'm ever going to do." And he's been serious about that. Oh God! Well, I know Robin Duke has a book coming out soon. I, I talked to, um, and I know you talked to him too. I talked to Steve Campman last year. Oh, he was really nice. Yeah, he he's yeah he's a great guy, and we uh, in, in just one hour because that's all the time that we had. We 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 covered so much. It was, it was just amazing. Um, he, he was great. Yeah, so let, uh, let, let's get into um, Ian Talks Comedy. Uh, I mean, was it, this was obviously probably a quarantine project, right? Yeah, it was a quarantine project. Also, two, other, two things. One was actually Harry Anderson and Fred Willard dying. And me never getting a chance to say, I really like what you did, and you were very funny. So I said... I'm going to create a podcast, and I'm going to get people that did something, even if it's a little thing that I loved, and tell them that. And so the first person I contacted was Matt Newman, and he was he was a writer for Saturday Night Live in the fifth season, and, the, and a little bit of the sixth season, and he was the head writer of Not Necessarily the News, but he wrote this sketch that I love, uh, called Dave's Variety Store, when Bob Newhart hosted. It was a store that had one of everything. And I text, I found his, on the internet, I found his uh, email, uh, his cell number. So I texted him. I said, you the Matt Newman who wrote Dave's Variety Store in 1980? He's like, yes, why? And I said, I'm, I'm starting a podcast. Would you be interested in being my first guest? And then I did a lot of you know, looking into what he's done. And so I had questions. And I wanted to tell him that I really thought that was funny. He had a lot of great stories. And then I, uh, and then he introduced me to some of his friends, Elaine Saracen, who, yeah, yeah. and uh, Walter Williams and Mr. Bill. And so he introduced me to those two people right there. And I would never have gotten to talk to them. And then I would say, okay, what was my favorite episode of Night Court? And then I, I I'm sorry. Oh, oh what, what's your favorite episode of Night Court? The Red Rider episode. Who was that masked man? Yeah, the masked man, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I talked to uh, Mitch Lawrence, who was uh, in that episode. He was, who was suing. And, who, and So I said, what was my favorite episode of uh, Night Court? Oh, the one where they had to do 200 cases in a night. Who wrote that? Larry Strother. Let me see if he's listed in the phone book. That's what I did. And then I just got more and more people. And, and how did your how did yours start?
the 90s. I never thought he was that funny of a comedian. But I see that he was interviewing all these huge names. And I was like, God, when did this start, right? So I, I started listening. And I was like, God, Marin's a good fucking interviewer. You know, I didn't think he was a funny comedian, but he's a damn good interviewer. So I said, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. And I this is the way a podcast should be. It's real. Uh, the, the host and the guests are swearing. They're talking about real things. I'm like, this is how it should be, not that fucking stupid, superficial talk show format. So it took a while. It took me, you know, almost two years um, for the time of recovery to when me and my mother finally got a place to live because we were homeless at the time. We were going through rough times. So um, after... I got, I got motivated to try to do a podcast again because I did make an attempt about six months into recovery and no one was on board, so I got discouraged. But then I went to go see Kevin Smith do a screening for a movie at the San Jose Improv, a movie that he made called Yoga Hosers, and he gave this speech about podcasts near the end that just uplifted me. And then I met him at the meet and greet. He was great. Um so then um, we finally moved into this place in April of 2017, and I was sick for a few weeks. I mean, ugh, I was I, probably one of the worst sicknesses I've ever had in my life. So as soon as I recover, I start the podcast. Now, I don't know if you've seen the first 24, but they were they started out as a visual of me on camera wearing sunglasses and a hat backwards and being this persona that I came up with, Tommy Throwback Kovac, and then I would um, play the interview audio only. And at first it was on a dictation recorder, which worked the first maybe eight episodes, and then it started to get really bad. And only a couple people complained because I, I, I interview a lot of people who don't listen to podcasts after they do them, you know? So then by 24, I'm like, I, I'm enjoying doing this, you know, and I love interviewing. I got to figure out a better way to record. So then, I just put um, my, uh, my I just put my, you know, I turned my cell phone recorder on and put it against the uh, the landline, and then voila, spot from the past. And then I stopped doing the visual thing because I got tired of dressing up and seeing myself, you know, go from heavy to heavier to my hair getting grayer and losing my period. <laughs> And you like doing it on YouTube. that you had. I don't remember who it was. Maybe, did you have Melanie Chardoff on? Yeah. 
a Melanie Chardoff. Yeah. When I was close to close together. No, but I I really would want to. I don't try not to do. It's hard, like what you just said about me. It's like when I when I listen to you interview somebody, it's like, well, I'm gonna ask them the same questions. So it's like, well. for Cheers. seen a lot of interviews with her it's like what can i ask her that she hasn't been asked i'd love to talk to marion ross and it's like i don't want to bother a 90 year old woman Bobby Rydell, who's my mother's favorite singer, to to sing ha- Happy Birthday to her. Yeah. And he just died. Yeah, God, that was so that was so sad. I was glad that I, I was one of his last interviews at least. And I, I mean, he, you could tell that when I talked to him, he was kind of over it because he had written a book, you know. But he he had fun with me, I think, and I I think I did right by him. part 
strange brew or something, right? Mm. I was like about to ask him about that, and he and he and he cut me off and said, "If you think I'm going to talk about you know my experiences in the U.S., you're you're mistaken, buddy, because because the U.S. did not treat me very well." And then he started going into this spiel about how he's popular in Canada but not in the U.S. You know, it it, it came off as negative and bitter to me. You know, but in the last few minutes, I got him to talk about working with Jim Varney and Ernest Rides again, and he told me that Jim really inspired inspired him to pursue stand up because he had just come back from a couple of years in L.A. He was back in Canada. He didn't know where his life was going to go next, you know, but he did one of his stand up routines that he did on stage in L.A. to Jim, and Jim laughed, and it really inspired him to go do it. He said, you know, you know, he didn't agree with Jim's politics because Jim was right wing, but he was inspired by the guy, and he, he owes that to him. My interview was very cut and dry, very like very non, you know, wasn't anything to write home about. You know, he was he was he was pleasant. Yeah, he was pleasant, but just there was just so much negativity there. It's like you know, count your blessings, man. I mean, you are popular in Canada, you know, but it's, it's, you're lucky to be popular there. You know, you don't have to hold a grudge against the U.S., you know, because some people just uh, don't hit it big in the U.S. Some people have to go to Canada or the U.K., you know, like Bill Hicks, you know, near the end of his life, he went to the U.K. and he got popular there. Yeah, my, mo my most downloaded episode is Rich Hall, and he's much... Oh, I heard that one. I didn't know you had Rich Hall. Yeah, and he, he was much bigger in the U.K. than he was in the United States. really lucky because <laughs> I haven't heard him on a podcast besides mine. Yeah, I think him and Mark Barron would have a good conversation if he went on there. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you had Sean Kelly, who we just lost, who I didn't uh, get an interview with, sadly. I, got to, I did get to talk to Ann Beats before she passed about, uh, we talked a lot about National Lampoon in that conversation. Uh, that, that conversation, unfortunately, was not completed because... Um, her daughter or whoever was in the house with her that day lured her away. And so we only got to the, the genesis of Square Pegs, and then that was it. And then she told me she would come back on. I reached out to her at Christmas time, no response. And then um, just days before her death, I was thinking about reaching out again, and then her death came up. And I was like, damn, that, that's, that's an incomplete interview. But, hey, at least we got to the surface of what I love the most of her career, and that's Saturday Night Live and National Lampoon. Right. She was booked for May 29th, and she died in April. Oh, God. So, yeah, so she was booked, and I also had another person, uh, this guy, Frank Mueller. He was supposed to come on the first week of January, and he died, like, last week of December. He was a writer. He wrote, are you a Simpsons fan? He wrote the episode where, um, the Valentine's Day episode with Ralph falling in love with Lisa, I Love Lisa, as well as a show that I loved that didn't really do that well called Grand that starred Ma Ma uh, Michael McKeon. He was like, you know what, anybody who's, I've never gotten a compliment on Grand, I want, uh, I'll want, i definitely come on your show. And then he died. Oh, God, I, I hate when that happens. There's people I've, I've um, scheduled and they, they died, like uh, Mark Blum. Character actor, he died of COVID, unfortunately. Um, Jewel Reed, who was a horror filmmaker, he he was scheduled to do it a month.
already uh, full of COVID in the hospital at the time, and he announced on Facebook that he was getting out the day of our interview, and, and he never picked up the phone. He was in the hospital until he, he died, like in, I think, first week of April or something like that. Mm. It sucks. I mean, I was, I was James Drury's last interview. I was Richard Hurd's last interview. You know, I interviewed them both two weeks before they died. I was a little unsatisfied with both because I think they knew it. They, they kind of, you know, wanted to do their own thing in this interview. You know, Richard was very inquisitive. He wanted to know about me. And James, he tried to get out of finishing the already half-hour scheduled interview at like 15 minutes, but I kept it going. And it, 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 we, we kept it going for about 20 more minutes, and then we finished it. Um, I, I know that you uh, interviewed Phil Proctor. Have you, have, I talked to David Osman. Have you reached out to him? No, that was actually a um, uh, Jeff Abraham. Yeah, David Osman, I think I got him through his website. He's, he's pleasant. You know, we were talking about, you know, those, those Fireside Theater records and just how subversive they were. I, I love them. You know, very surreal in humor. I had to listen to them all because I didn't know the Fireside Theater. They said, would you like to talk to Phil Proctor? And I'm like, okay, I know that name. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I listened to all the records. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's great. I, my dad wasn't too familiar with them either when I told him about them. Because, you know, he grew up in the 70s with Cheech and Chong and, and uh, Richard Pryor, Steve Martin, all those records and stuff. But he didn't know Fireside Theater. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, that hilarious bit with the televangelist and the guys eating a hot dog at home. That just cracked me up. I, I was more of a fan of the credibility gap. Yes. And I talked to David Lander um, in 2018, and I, that's one of my worst interviews, only because I wasn't ready to interview him. I should have waited a little bit. But um, we, we, we talked a little bit about that. He told me about about when he burned that script, uh, Laverne, uh, Laverne and Shirley, that, that famous story. And... He got a little bit bitter about some of the movies he was in, but um, I, got, I got some good anecdotes out of him in 20 minutes. Yeah, and I had, I talked to Harry Shearer, and his whole thing, he, he was like, um, well, I'll give you an hour, but the first half hour we have to talk about my radio show. And then I'll let you talk about anything except for the except for uh, Saturday Night Live for the other half hour. But then I, I asked him about Saturday Night Live, and this one particular sketch... Uh, which involves the N-word. Yeah, I, I heard it. I was cracking up at what Rodney said. You're not going to do that on TV, are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's in the Saturday Night Live book that Rodney said that to him. So. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> I told that to my dad, and he cracked up. Oh, they're going to kill you. That was, I just Facebooked him, and huh? and I asked him if he would do it, and he's like, uh, I, he's like, I've done two interviews, and that was the Andy Hogland from Rolling Stone. Oh, oh yeah, it was right, and Marin, and Marin got me a lot of people who didn't know I was alive saying hey to me on Facebook, so yeah, what, what the hell, but he was on the phone with me for four hours, and I had to just cut stuff down to make it, I don't even know, was it two hours long? Um, because he listened to it yet. I just found out as I was going through, you know, your channel of, of episodes because there's a lot I haven't heard yet. Uh, yeah, God, I oh God, I regret not reaching out to him then because I loved his interview on Marin. You know, uh, the fact that Gary Weiss put him in rehab that that 
line. I thought that Gary that Gary Weiss was an asshole when I interviewed him last summer. I guess he's a good guy after all if he put him in rehab. No, I didn't know that. He told me when he told me the story. He said that um, this is when he got fired from Saturday Night Live and put into rehab. Yeah, he said that that Weiss paid for it. Oh, he, I didn't know that part. He he told me that. Uh, Dan Vitale told me that the fact that he found out he was getting he got fired from Siren Live is he got summoned to the office of the producers and this is when Franken and Davis were producing not uh, as as well as writing but Lauren was the executive producer so he wasn't doing the job that he always did and this was the, this was the only year it was like that he got summoned to Franken and Davis's office and he said that Davis was doing a line of coke off his desk and says I mean, Al has to talk to you. And he walk he walks into Al's office and goes, "Listen, we can't we can't have drugs in in the offices. You you have to you're fired." Yeah, I I mean that was a that was a very I, that was that was a very touching story, you know, that he told about his about his life on Marin because I always wonder what happened to him because I remembered him on that season of Saturday Night Live and I was like, whatever happened to that guy and where did he come from? I didn't know he was a stand up, so I I was um, I was baffled when I found that out. Uh, I know, so how did uh, Stacey Milken come about? Because I've had her on here twice. I adore her. The movie Serial. Uh-huh. I saw the movie Serial, which she's great in. Yeah. And I had the writer, the screenplay writer, Michael Elias on. And I'm like, I want to see if I can get, see if I can talk to her. And she was, she was cool. She was really cool. Oh, God. I, the first interview we did, we talked about her career. And, um, second time we talked about my sex life in graphic detail and she was giving me you know advice you know because that's what she does you know she's a licensed therapist it was hilarious and then in the last half of it we talked about um, about her relationship with Woody Allen when she was a teenager and I got some trolls from it and we talked about a uh, few more credits that uh, I didn't talk about last time with her and stuff. She's awesome. I adore her. I know that when I see her at a convention someday, we're going to give each other a great big hug. No, that's nice. Yeah, she was really cool and really nice. And she said uh, that Joyce Heiser was kind of like a, uh, a bully. I know. I heard that. I, I know Joyce very well. She's been on here three times. And, you know, th- th- there's, th- I'll tell you, there's kind of an aura about her where she looks like she may have been that girl back in the day, right? But she is very, um, very kind and compassionate. And, you know, she helps children now. I'm, I'm sure she was that girl back in the day, but now she's, I don't see that about her. Yeah, and, and, and Ellen Barkin was also in that in that crowd. Jo- I know Joyce is really good friends with Rosanna Arquette. Um, they, they used to hang out a lot back in the day. Uh, but no, Joyce, Joyce is wonderful, and I, I make her laugh. I tell her dirty jokes all the time. I told her one when I met her in person just before COVID hit. Uh, there was doing a 35th anniversary screening of just one of the guys at San Francisco Sketch Fest. I, I told her, I told her this joke. Oh my God, the the, the reaction was hilarious, and I, I whispered it to her in her ear. And, and I hope she told Sherilyn Finn that joke after after I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad. Oh, you, you can't share it? Oh, yeah, I can share it. How do you get your wife to scream twice? Oh, I know. Yes, that Yes, that one. And um, before I, before, uh, I got to go to her meet, and greet and tape, her meet and greet table, I met Dana Gould by accident. Oh. Um, uh, he, was, he had his table uh, 
semi set up for his meet and greet, and his banner wasn't up, so it didn't say Dana Gould on it. So my mom and I went over to him and said, "Is this the uh, just one of the guys meet and greet?" And he's like, "It's not." And I said, "And I said, do you know where it is?" And he's like, "I don't." And then I walked away, and then. Um, we saw a security person. They said, do you know where the just one of the guys meet and greet is? And he's like, yeah, over here. And I said, hey, by the way, who's that guy over there? And she's like, that's Dana Gould. And I'm like, hey, it's Dana Gould. Oh, my God. I, 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 he looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. Did he have a lot of Dave Mandel, writer for Siren Live, and talked about the episode. One of his favorite moments was the episode where they did the whole show as Planet of the Apes when they had Charlton Heston hosting. Yeah. I think his podcast is like he's an uh, ape and he talks to human guests. I've, I've interviewed uh, Vampire's niece. She's told me about Dana, about how you know they became really close near the end of Vampire's life and stuff. I'm like, that fucking lucky bastard. I'm so jealous of Dana Gold. I, I, he's been a footnote in so many of his idols' lives. Like, I hope I'm a footnote in a lot of my idols' lives, you know? I think I am, but... You know, the day that they asked me to help them, you know, write their memoir or forward or something, that's when I know I'm truly a footnote in their history. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be great. I, I, are you Facebook friends with a lot of your guests? Oh, yeah, most of them. Isn't that cool, though? Mm-hmm. These are people like you there watch. It's, it's, it's been a wild ride the last five years that I've been doing this. I, I don't know, you know, what the future holds, but, you know, I, I still enjoy it. I have days where I don't enjoy it anymore, but days that I do, you know. I'll give you a good example of a day that I didn't. Uh, you interviewed uh, Mark Maltoff on the Carson podcast. Mm, yeah. Well, I reached out to him in January, didn't hear back until June, first week of June. We did the, uh, we did the podcast the following week. It was great. I suggested three people to him to, you know, wrap up the podcast because he's going to be wrapping it up this summer. He emailed me, I think, a day or two later after we did the podcast and said, who were those names again? And so I gave it to him. And then I got super busy for the whole month of June after that and the first week of July. So then two weeks ago, I emailed him and, and you know, I told um, those three people about his podcast long before I, I connected with him, right? But then I kind of reiterated um, when I when I interviewed him, you know, and I said, hey, did you reach out to those people, right? And he sends me this email saying, hey, Tommy, I know you're trying to help, but it, it, it's not necessary. I have uh, one guest booked for the final show. Thanks so much. And I was I was I was a little upset by that because you know I got them excited. You know they've been wanting to tell you know their Johnny Carson stories at that kind of a platform for a long time. And I just felt like he was kind of blowing me off because I was a YouTuber. You know what I mean? Hmm. No, I I understand what you mean. I think he had it booked because I offered him somebody too that was on the Carson show, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I tried to get him three years ago, uh, but I got my final guests. Well, it's been a while now, and he he hasn't put up the the final episode, so we shall see. We we shall see. But yeah, that, that kind of cut me like a knife. Who are the Who are the people if you don't? Oh, Stephanie Hodge, who's a very good friend of mine. I recommend you reach out to her. Yeah, I was. I liked. I liked nurses. Is she bitter about that? Um, I think she's more bitter about uh, um, un, unhappily ever after. You know, but no, okay. she had great experiences 
on nurses. That's like one of her favorite um, uh, jobs that she had. Uh, she's willing to talk about anything of her career, to be honest with you. No, I'm a fan of hers. I remember her when she was a comedian, stand-up comedian before nurse. Yeah, I mean, you know, she got she got fired from Unhappily Ever After, which was her show, and then it got taken from her, you know, by the other people. They started writing, you know, more for the other people, you know, and then, of course, Bobcat stuffed animal character on the show, Mr. Bo Mr. Floppy, you know, basically took over the show as well, you know, but she's, she's happy to talk about it, you know, but... You know, you're not going to hear too much negativity. I mean, she'll probably throw in, you know, a sexual harassment story or two, but mm. she, she's great to talk to, you know, and I've, I've had dinner with her in L.A., oh, cool. and she's one of my biggest supporters. The others are uh, Jackie Giroux. She was a late-night erotica movie actress in the 70s and a little bit of the 80s. Okay. Doing nude movies, you know, not, uh, not porn, but like, you know, exploitation Eman like Emmanuel she was on uh, she was on Johnny five times and she's got stories about that and it didn't end well with her and Johnny and so I recommended her and then Sandy Gennaro is a rock drummer I'm having him on again for the second time on Monday to promote his new memoir he's got a couple Johnny stories because he played stuff the band um, from the crowd once and then he was on with Cindy Lauper as her drummer and he interacted with Johnny backstage because uh, Johnny was a drummer that's cool and then you have a big announcement tomorrow yeah you say get your tissue uh, yeah get so I talked to him on Monday for the second time um, you said get your tissue so I didn't know if if that man was a porn star or somebody you're going to cry over oh no 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 I'm, I'm not going to say who it is right. until no. I put it on social media because I'm actually, I, I, I was supposed to have a private call with her manager uh, before our interview, and then the, the call went to voicemail, so I'm waiting on that. So, I, so I'll, I'll announce it when, I, when, when it comes up. Um, I have just a couple of questions uh, for you. Where, where do you get um, the names of these, uh, of these people? Like, like these movies, they're like small roles in a lot of movies. Like, what made you want to talk to the, not talk to them, but even like say, oh, that would be a person I could talk to. I, you know, I'm a very observant human being. I, I when I watch a movie, I, I notice everybody, whether they play a big part, small part. And sometimes it's just a matter of, of you know, getting getting a um, a person in general from the movie, and if it may be hard getting the star or something like that. I'll just go for the little person. You know, I mean, it's it's not um, it's not rocket science. I can just do that. You know, and I have found they have better stories. They are more humble, and they are a lot nicer, and I become friends with a lot of them. And then how do you, you just Facebook find them? Yeah, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, if they have a website, uh, Twitter, um, stuff like that. Oh, one person I recommend, have you talked to any Groundlings? No, I, this is the thing that, oh, I'm going to talk to Roger Erschbacher. Okay, I'm going to give you a list of names for the Groundlings. Because I've gotten a lot of Second City so people. Of I, got, I got a lot of Second City people in my in the history of my show. But I haven't got, he'll be my first Growling, and I'm, I keep trying to get Growlings, and they won't, I haven't had success. Well, I can get you Terry Bolo. Um, she was one of the founding members, and she was in Carrie and Pee Wee's Big Adventure and a shitload of movies where she's the, um, you know, she's a, a tiny bit player, and she's one of my closest friends. I, I've had lunch with her in L.A., and we talk on the phone quite frequently, and we send each other Christmas birthday cards, everything. I'm very close with her. She'd be happy to do 
your show and have a conversation about comedy. That that's cool. Would, yeah, and, and um, so Facebook. I'll reach out to her on Facebook. Um, how'd you get Adrian Barbeau? Um, let's see. So I had reached out in 2017, and the guy who was managing her at the time had just left, but his name rem- remained on her uh, management for a long, long time. So I gave up for a while, and then one day last year, I happened to go on her website, and she she had a um, she didn't have it wasn't a manager. It was like a it was like a personal assistant publicist type of a person. So I reached out, and we went back and forth for half a year because this was early last year. And then by November, I got Adrian Barbeau on, and she gave me pretty much the same interview she gives everybody. You know, she does this. She, you know, you ask her a question, she giggles, and then she answers it the same way she answered every question. It's almost like she has a script. But she's great. You know, I have no complaints. I met her once at a convention, and she was very lovely to me. And sometimes I'll tape something, and then I'll go back to listen to it or to edit it, and the other person's audio is not there. Uh, I mean, I've had audio issues. You know, obviously, there have been there were times when I forgot to clean out my phone, and... Um, the sound was very low, and sometimes you just can't control, you can't control over it, because sometimes, you know, the person will be out of range wherever they're at, like in the mountains or something, and the sound is very low, but no, I've never had an experience where I went back and listened, and there was nothing. Yeah, so that happened four times. Uh, Mark Wiener, very nice guy, um, Sean Kelly, and he came back and did it again. And um, John Femia, you know him from Square Pegs. Yeah. Have you had him on? No. Oh, because he he would talk. To be honest with you, I'm a little bitter about Square Pegs because I tried to get Amy Linker on, and she said, and she said, and she said, sure, I'll do it. You know, can you send me the questions though? I sent her the questions, and then she didn't want to do it. They weren't hard hitting. They were just they were just honest, straightforward questions. I wasn't looking for any sensation or scandal or anything. Ironically, Chris Butler gave me a little sensation about the show. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I heard a, um, a female um, writer who was good friends with Ann Bates give a little sensation about the show, and she didn't even work on it, but she was close friends with Ann. Yeah. And, so, uh, and... I, I have, so I wanted to ask this. I, you, have, you have a very interesting structure in that you begin the show with an intro, but there's no outro. Why is that? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Thank. That's an interesting question. I, I don't know. I just I like having them say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then that'd be the outro. Cause, you know, like a phone call. Yeah. And then the worst one was that got cut off. And then it was Dave Thomas. Oh, Dave Thomas. From SCTV. And I talked to him for an hour and a half, and yeah, I've interviewed I, I've interviewed writers, not a whole lot, because they have a tendency to be bitter. But they always, yeah, say they always get bitter that someone took credit or someone changed their ideas and stuff. I try not to interview writers that much. Yeah, but I haven't had anybody. I didn't. I got the feeling that Tom Leopold didn't like me, but that's that's the. <laughs> but that's like the only like. I want to have the person like me, and and if I asked them to do a, a do it again, they would. Yeah. Or just not hate me. Same here. A lot of people have come back on. A lot of people multiple times. Uh, in the beginning, I had trouble getting guests consistently, so I'd ask people to come back on, and they were always happy to do it. You know. Well, I had uh, Bruce, yeah Bruce Kirschbaum, who was a writer for uh, Seinfeld, and 
he talked to me for like two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, and he didn't get past 1986. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I've had a couple people like that. And I was like, well, could you come back and talk about uh, Seinfeld? And he wrote the movie Back to the Beach. And I was like, can we just talk about Seinfeld and Back to the Beach when you when when you come back? So it was just those two things. They still talk for for almost two hours. In, in terms of comedy, I haven't had uh, difficult guests. You know, I get an occasional curmudgeon or so, but most most of the people I've talked to who who have been difficult, there's only like maybe fifteen or sixteen of them, supposedly in the in the movie world. Who is your oldest guest? Oldest in terms of age? Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I did see that. Good for you. It's tied between him and Marion Ross. They're both like ninety when I interviewed them. So yeah, they were the oldest. I had Arnold Marglin, eighty-six. Um, he's eighty-six. He created Love American Style. So who's on your bucket list that you'd like to get? Henry Winkler, Julie Brown, like I said before, uh, Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. William Cat. I talked to the creator of the Grim Who Grace American Hero, and he's like, well, he's got a lot of time on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you should get more stand-up comedians, because you could have some pretty interesting conversations with them. That's when I listen to my older episodes. It's just like, and then he did this. What was that like? And then all of a sudden, when I had, when I had Stephen Campman on, he was like, dude, be yourself. Just If something funny pops in your head, say it. Yeah. So that's like, there's a difference between like the last... Bunch and uh, and the one that you had, Charlene Tilton, it would be also somebody I really like to talk to. Yeah, I remember you said Lydia Cornell. Did you get in touch with her? I tried again, and Lydia, yeah, Lydia Cornell also. Uh, maybe I can lend a hand on that one. I mean, she's pretty good about doing that stuff. She's just so wonderful and so funny. She posts really funny things on social media. Yeah, and she does your intro. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. I never asked. I never asked anybody to do that, but that's that's a cool thing to do. Like I, yeah. like I try not to do. Like once I saw it done by you, now I'm not gonna do. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. I got you. Got to be different. I got. I try to be different. My interview style. I I, I tried to do Mark Mal, what Mark Malkoff uh, did, except I don't have the big. He does the intro with the person not there. Yeah. For this one, I'm gonna do an intro of you, not there, because I know how you start by starting with Hi Ian, how are you? And I'm not, and I'm gonna do tape, pre-tape an in, post-tape an intro actually, and then go into the conversation. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, stand-up comedians I can recommend are like Stephanie and Rich Scheidner. He's got great stories. Uh, Murray Langston, if you can get through to him, he, he's a little tough too. Um, Anita Wise, she's been on five times. She is so hilarious with that little voice of hers, and she's got great stories. Yeah, I was supposed to get Rich Scheidner because of the Married with Children podcast. Oh, yeah. But they gave me his phone number, and he gave me his phone number, and I called him, and he didn't call me back for whatever reason. I am so uncomfortable with with phone numbers. I'd rather get their email, you know? I'll tell you a funny funny story. Um, So... Basically, sometimes I just call them on the phone if I get their phone number, and I'd be like, "Listen, um, I, I'm sorry to bother you. I have a podcast, and, and I got yelled at by Mary Lou Hanner. <laughs> really? She's like, I had to stalk her, and and 
I'm never going, you know, and this is horrible. You can't just call people up like that. And yeah, I, I wouldn't say, yeah, I've never done that. Well, I wouldn't have either, except guests said, why not? Where, 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 I guess he, he, was, he didn't think anybody would object, but he's like, we're in the phone book for a reason. If, if we're listed, it, it's so people can call us. But, yeah, yeah but she got upset. But the only good thing is, I don't think I pronounced my name in a way that, because my name is so hard to pronounce that she would remember it. She remembers everything. Because, you know, she has that thing where she remembers everything. But my name is so hard to understand that she might have not heard it correctly. What would she say? Uh, that basically, that she had a stalker and... Don't she only lets people she knows call her and how dare I call her that kind of thing? Oh God! So I apologize. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean I've I've had some instances I won't go into because it's just it's counterproductive. I've had a couple instances where they they thought that I called them um, after we did the interview, and uh, one person's uh, manager got a hold of me, and I didn't even book her through the manager and she'd been on three times without her manager even knowing and it, it, was, it was an ugly mess and um, I, I not that she would ever come back on again after that you know but I, I made her persona non grata unfortunately and that's um, the le- the uh, my story with Melanie Chardoff was that I interviewed a whole bunch of people from Fridays like I, I love that and they said, have you talked to Melanie? And I'm like, well, I tried, but uh, I never get anything back. And she, and they called her and she said, yeah, I'll do it. And then her man, her PR person uh, emails me and asks me for my show's demographics. Yeah. And so I gave him that. I gave it to him. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. She won't be doing it. And then I talked to somebody. And then I talked to the person who said, oh, I'll, I'll I'll tell Melanie, you know, I'll tell Melanie, Melanie, and he goes, how'd it go with Melanie? And I'm like, she didn't do it. He's like, what? She said she was going to do it. I'm like, well, her, her agent uh, said she, she wasn't going to do it. And then she was going to, she was going to do it, but her agent told her not to. Yeah. That happens a lot with everybody, not just you, but oh, everybody. Oh, no. Yeah. And, yeah. I know, I know a guy, you know, he does this charity thing. Uh, called the Dow Fire Challenge. He wants uh, his guests to take a pie in the face for suicide and depression awareness, right? He told me yesterday, this guest I've had on a dozen times, like five or six times, who's was a good friend of mine and stuff, who I've met in person a few times, uh, that her reps t- told her not to do it because they're, they're not a fan of slapstick and they would they think it would be bad for her following. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, maybe she's being polite and saying that she doesn't want to do it, so she's using the rep thing, because I've gotten that. Because the people I know who don't have representation have said that to me. Mm. Mm. It's weird. Show business is a weird fucking thing. It's full of narcissism, and it's full of arrogance, you know, but if you just write it out and stuff, you know, and just don't forget things, you know, then you'll be okay. Yeah, I'm not trying to make money. Yeah, I'm not trying to make money either. By the way, I was curious to know, like, are you ever going to put uh, any of these on YouTube? I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you just, you know, make a YouTube account and then you just upload it to uh, the, the, 
out the videos. I mean, I guess I guess if people would want to sit there and I know they I know they I, that's how I do it for you, but people that yeah. need to know it's just black screen, right? Yeah, yeah, it's easy, you know. Mm. Yeah, I, I might do that. I mean, I guess I could get more pe- people who search those people up on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, but, yeah. Do you know that there's a, a podcast, um, these guys, John Daly and John Schroeder, John Schrader, and their their podcast is, well, they write for Bob's Burgers, and I'm actually going to have John Schrader on. Their okay. their show is that they sit and they listen to podcasts, and then they rate the podcasts. And they wow. they, they rated Mark Malkoff's podcast. Interesting. <laughs> and they were, like, sort of goofing on the fact that he had all of the stage managers on. Yeah. They're like, I mean, yeah, anybody who knew Johnny Carson, I mean, you gotta do that. You can't just have the guests, you know? No, right. But they're like, well, how and they were making fun of, they were making fun of Mark and I felt bad. Like, like how much of a a fan of Johnny Carson is that you make, that you want to talk to his tax accountant? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's gotten some good information out of those guys. You know, he got it out of, um, you know, one of the attorneys um, that was involved uh, in the, the, the dispute between him and Wayne Newton because he tried to get Wayne Newton and Wayne Newton doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Right. I'm trying to think of uh, people that would be... I don't know if you want to talk... You know, do you know... Or partic- Harry... Um, what the hell? Um, oh, what's his name? He was Rodney's opening act and then he was George Carlin's opening act. Yeah. Did you have him on? Uh, not yet. I've been contemplating it. Maybe for uh, Easy Money's 40th anniversary next year. Maybe I'll get him. Um, Jim Signorelli? You got it, right? I've tried to get Jim Signorelli. I actually found out one of my biggest supporter guests is actually a friend of his. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, ask her uh, at the end of the year to uh, put me in touch with him. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good idea. I was curious. So, who do you got coming up that you can mention? Oh, I can mention. Yeah. So, I've this week is. I'm just. Hold on. Let me just go into the website. I can mention everybody who I'm talking to. Uh, Oh, Boyd Hale. He. He was a writer for Late Night. This is really, this is a really fun one. This is one where he, one of the ones where they don't want to talk as much about them as they want to talk about you, and then just goof off and have fun. Yeah, I get those occasionally. I mean, they can be fun at times. Yeah, so he wrote for Nurses and Full House and Letterman, and he wrote Almost Heroes, the last movie that Chris Farley was in. Okay, nice. And then Roger Eschbacher. Uh, who was an actor? He was in Seinfeld, um, Friends, and uh, a lot of TV shows. And he also writes the Scooby Doo mysteries. Interesting! Wow, that that, that guy is—he's uh, got a wide range. I see. <laughs> yeah, 
Joe Grossman, who was a writer for Letterman. And then um, on the 16th, um, John Schrader, who is a writer and his wife is the co-creator of Bob's Burgers. And then I, have, I got a lot of interesting ones coming up, but I don't want to say right right off the bat because it could change. You know, I've had I've had people reschedule on me at last minute after you know saying too much. You know, but the last thing I want to ask you about though is you know that picture of you and Lauren Michaels. Where was that taken and when? All right, so that was taken 2010 at uh, at 30 Rock. Um, it, I had I got my uncle uh, was J- James Signorelli got a disease um, in like 2008 where it's like chicken pox on your in, on the inside and bur- no almost like burns on the inside I forgot what it's called but my uncle is a burn nurse he was in the, you know he was in the Navy and he was in Lebanon and so my uncle took care of him for like two, three months, he was bedridden, and he's like, anything you want, you know, and he goes, well, my, my nephew, me, is like the biggest Saturday Night Live fan, so I got, I got, like, these all-access backstage passes to the show in April of, of 2010, and um, I got a picture taken with all the cast members, and I, I, I ran, literally ran smack into uh, Kesha, who was the musical guest, and uh, at the end of the night, Lauren comes out, and I'm like, Mr. Michaels, can I take a picture? And he and he's about to say no. And his daughter looks. His daughter's like, Come on, Dad. And he's like, Well, if it's fast. So I get behind. I get next to him, and I have and, and I take the picture. Mm-hmm. That's the story. Wow. And so, what was your experience like? You know, uh, interacting with him. Yeah, but that was it. It was. Okay. It was it was yeah. kind of, kind of a picture of oh, it's fast, and then I I took took the picture and he and he went off in his limo with his kids. Yeah, uh, it, 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 he's he's a very interesting guy. You know, I hear good things, I hear a lot of bad things. It, 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 he's a, he's just this very interesting mythic dude. Yeah, that guy we were talking about before, Ron, the one who's only famous in Canada. Um, yeah. he, he told Ron me, James. yeah, Ron James. That he went to audition for Siren Live, and Lauren said, "Um, you you would do very well in Canada, not not so much in the United States." So, so he told him that what his future was going to be. <laughs> yeah. So he's oh, he, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, well, supposedly that that's uh, he's very good at that. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. said on twitter no i will not do your podcast just just she just put tweeted that out one day so i never she did that to me four years ago but then she gave in oh okay no because she didn't even do it to me she just did it in general and i was like i'm not gonna ask her (laughs) she didn't she didn't say it like that but it was she was like you know i'm tired of talking about my dad let's talk about my uh, what was it her her art she was doing or something like that uh, at the time I, i can't remember but it was something along 
people and she started following me on Twitter and then it led to um, the interview once the uh, documentary came out. Mm. Yeah, I had Jeff Abraham on and talked about George. get uh, Mindy Rickles. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, I forgot what her name is. Uh, Jackie, Roddy Angelfield's daughter, something Roy. Yes. I tried to get them on, but they never got back. I'll tell you, the children of dead comedians, they, they the key word is operative, you know, because they're so used to having their asses kissed because of who their dads are, and they grew up having a, a weird childhood. You know, you, you feel bad for them, you know, and I've kind of distanced myself from, from interviewing those people. I've got, I thought about getting Kelly Conway, Tim Conway's daughter on, but I've, I've, I've interviewed Lou Costello's daughter, and she was kind of cunty, and I talked to Chris Corman, you know, Harvey's uh, son, and he's messed up. You know, I, I, I've been kind of turned off. I mean, I talked to Don Nod's daughter. She was great because she's a groundling, and she's got a great sense of humor. She was great, but the others, ah, I just... Yeah, my parents went on a cruise and they saw Sandy Hackett doing oh, Buddy Hackett's act. <laughs> oh, you know him? Oh, you know him? Yeah, I've, I've tried getting him on. He said, uh, I sent him an email years ago just telling him how much I like the movie Hamburger, the motion picture, and he sent me a nice long email talking about that movie. But as far as the podcast goes, no. He was kind of a prick to me when I tried to get him on. Yeah, they said that they saw him doing Buddy Hackett's act. But, uh, yeah, so. It's weird. It's tricky, you know. So was I totally radical? <laughs> no, totally radical is good. No, I know. Yeah. I'm from the 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, one, one last thing I wanted to ask. Is, is, there, uh, is, is there anybody you won't talk to? No. No. I mean, Hitler's dead. But, I mean, I guess I wouldn't talk to somebody who I, actually, somebody who I had no interest in because I wasn't a fan of anything they ever did. Yeah, same here. Like, I, I, you know, um, I won't talk to people just because I want to talk to somebody they know. I'm not that kind of a guy, you know, and I talked to a lot of people who were unknown in the beginning because they were willing to do it and say yes, and then they just, you know, took advantage of me, and then they wrote me off and shit, and... Yeah, you gotta be careful who you give a platform to because there's a lot of toxic people out there. Mm, like I would talk to Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. He's a conservative commentator. Okay. I'm trying to think of somebody. Uh, I would talk to Louis C.K. in a second. Isn't that what their their creator did? 
I bought a, I bought a captain's hat and yellow teeth yeah. at, at a uh, party city and you know, like like the, like the skipper's hat from Gilligan's Island and uh, that was and I walked around on Halloween and people were like who are you I'm like L. Ron Hubbard. I'm like, like I created a religion. He couldn't get his teeth fixed. He got the no. He's got the grossest, yellowest. They look like horror movie teeth. That's for Atu. And a captain. Oh yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I would talk to I would talk to Bill Cosby. Oh God, not at this point. I wouldn't. Oh, wouldn't that be a great interview though? I'm actually related to Woody Allen, but I would talk. But I've never met him. He's like my third cousin once removed, and uh, I talked to Stacey Nelkin about that. But uh, I would talk to Woody Allen. Well, you should reach out to him and say, "Hey, I'm your cousin me, and you know I got a podcast. Let's do it." I, th- I found out I have a cousin who is a very famous South African comedian and podcaster. Oh. But uh, and we were talking, and then it just never happened. He's like my fifth cousin. His name is Nick Rabinowitz, and he lives in South Africa. Nick Rabinowitz. He was the number two South African comedian after Trevor Noah, obviously. Interesting. But, yeah. So, and so, I, and I looked him up, and I saw his stand-up. It's pretty funny. And I was like, yeah. It's... But uh, is there anybody you wouldn't have on? Yeah, I'm trying to, I haven't had to, you know, I heard it's like super cool, but I can't get, there's uh, Ted Danson, I heard it was really cool. Yeah, I, well, he's, huge. he's huge, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Well, he was on the TV uh, Guidance Counselor podcast. Okay. So, I think sometimes people, have you gotten this? No, but somebody you haven't requested or asked had a friend that went on yours and e- and emails you or Facebooks you. Yeah, it depends on who the person would be. You know, I, I wouldn't rule that out. No, I mean, have you? I've had it. Have you had that? I, I may have. I can't remember. I mean, I did have. Okay, I interviewed Joanne Deering. Do you remember her? She's a stand-up comedian. No, not really. She was on Star Search. Okay. She was in that. Uh, And so 
I blocked him, and then Joanne uh, contacted me and told me that she uh, she put him in touch with me. And I was like, is he is he cool? She's like, yeah. So I unblocked him, did the interview. He just made it all about himself. He was kind of uh, bitter, and it just it, it wasn't a pleasant experience. And he was trying to get me to put his songs on my podcast. I'm like, fucking copyright's gonna fucking come after me if I did that. And he's like, no, I owed it, so it's cool. And I'm a lawyer. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. They got really weird rules on YouTube. He didn't understand that, but, you know, it yeah. happened that way. And never again. I'm not going to let that happen again. Yeah, but I've had, I've had where, let's say, five people were in something, and I interviewed four of them, and then the fifth person's like, so when are you going to talk to me? Yeah. Like, joking around, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't think you would be interested. Like, I actually wrote, I actually have had all the SCTV writers who weren't cast members. Yeah. Yeah. Mert Rich was another guy. He also wrote for Cheers. Um, no, he's the only one. And everyone was saying, uh, you should get him. And I texted him and I, wrote, I emailed him. I couldn't find an email, so I went to... He had a radio show, but he doesn't have it anymore. Uh, right, doesn't he have a... Doug Steckler's the only one I haven't got. No, but no, I, I didn't. John Hempel, I don't count Cinemax SCTV. Okay. <laughs> Talk. I hope um, you enjoy the rest of your summer. You know, keep listening to mine. I'll keep listening to yours. And Absolutely. I'll see if I get you in contact um, with some people and be safe out there, man. And who, who was the person I said? Oh, Robin Duke. I will give you the uh, email for her. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Okay.